When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast live. I continue to dress worse. Toby continues to dress better. It's colder out. I had to pull the uh, pullover out today. Isn't it wonderful to step outside and the crisp fall air slap you in the face? It's the best. It was absolutely the best. Now, I could do without the lightning. And the thunderstorms that we had on Saturday, which yeah. led to a little early start fine. time. We'll take it. There's a 25-minute delay. You are a thoroughbred, my man. <laughs> you are built for five, six-hour delay. We, uh, 25 minutes? We, can we tell the story, the backstory? By the way, welcome into the podcast. The podcast. We, we got a lot of, we want. We got a lot of questions to get to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So anything carrying over from Kansas or looking ahead to Texas, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Our producer, Meg McDonald. Are we live be, right now? We are live. Where are we live at? Uh, Facebook, Twitter. You name it, Soonersports.tv, I think. Uh, and obviously, Zach Tilly, our director, they'll make sure that we get the best ones and those that say mean things out. Kidding. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, it was a very tough situation from a truly selfish broadcasting perspective because we hit the air two hours before the game for our pregame show. And usually, when we hit the game, when we hit the air two hours early, there's activity. There's music playing on the Jumbotron, kickers are on the field. Right, there's players walking around. There was nothing. Absolutely Ghost nothing. town. Not a soul. And don't make any jokes about Kansas. Seriously, there was nobody there. Uh, then they had the announcement there was lightning, and they cleared the stadium. They cleared their air for a little bit. And then it was just, hey, we're going we're gonna to wait. 
and there was never an announcement of a delay until about 10.30. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we'd had communication with the OU people, so we kind of knew what was going on. So we started stretching our pregame show. Right. We were really – and then we found out at – We were about, talking to meteorologists, right. all kinds of stuff, <laughs> anticipating a – we were debating 12:30, one o'clock start. We were debating chocolate long johns and maple long johns. I mean, it was right. quite the intense conversation. And then all of a sudden, at about 11 a.m., we're going at 11:30, and we were behind. So it, it created it quite a little bit of a challenge. We had to punch the gas, but we got there. Okay. We went left lane, hammer down, got there. The Sooners got the win. So let's get after it, Toby. I know this is OU Texas week, so a lot of people looking ahead, which is fine. But let's take one look back on Saturday. What do we learn? I think it was the first game this year that you came away feeling a little bit dissatisfied with Oklahoma's performance. Fair enough. Um, they've been so consistent all year. Offense great, defense great, and Saturday you just felt a little, mm, you know, it, it was a win, it was never in doubt, but really for the first time this year, Jalen threw some passes that were, were questionable. He put, uh, he put you know, the ball in harm's way a few times. Um, the defense struggled with that puka pitch uh, some of the game. Now they zeroed in on it, did better. I think part of that's because of the way the fourth quarter unfolded. You know, it was 42-7, to seven and they were cruising, but Kansas got a couple of touchdowns there in the fourth quarter. So you just kind of came out saying, eh, it's a win. It was a little dissatisfying. I, I think you can point to some excuses there. I think the weather's one. I think the lack of... Really, any sort of electricity in that stadium is one. I think the fact that Texas is coming up next week is, is an excuse. But all in all, it was probably, in my opinion, it was the fifth best performance that they've had this year in five games. Ooh. So, real quick, then off the top of my head, best performance probably Texas Tech, South Dakota right up there at two, UCLA at three, then what, maybe Houston and Kansas? I would put all four games ahead of this one as my points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't prepare my pre-show rankings. I'm just saying. That'll be for next week. I'm just saying I think it was the probably the, the worst game that they've played so far this year. And yeah, that's probably saying something about this team. When the worst game you play is a 25-point road victory, that was never in doubt. But it was Kansas. Kansas is better. I do think Kansas is a little bit better. But still, um, it was okay. And if you're Lincoln Riley – and you talked, you're down there, you're in the locker room, you're on the sidelines. Jalen Hurts after the game was not happy. Nope, wasn't happy today. I think that was, there was not a lot of hooting and hollering, I'm guessing, in the locker room. I bet it was a pretty, you know, I bet it was a pretty quiet place. Uh, there was the reminder that it's a big deal to win. How about that? Yeah. That to to kind of get everyone's mind set that, hey, a win's a big deal. Get, let's go, we won a game, get fired up. Uh, but the, also the realization and the understanding that there's work to do. I went back a little bit. That was, by my quick calculation, our fifth trip to Lawrence. And just there's always there's one trip that we made where the game was just a steamroll from start to finish. Like three trips ago, they went like 62 to 7. Every game just has something weird that happens. 2011, they fell behind 13 to 0. You had the cold and the wind and the captains at midfield last time we went. You fell behind seven zip this time. It's just, again, I'm not trying to be the excusinator here because, oh, I can do that. I mean, it, I can, but I'm not. I'm just saying it's a very unique environment. They so, didn't play great. There you go. They played, they played good enough to win. It was fine. 
I don't think they improve from week four to week five. Now the key, across the board. The key to improving from week five to week six then, or I guess game five to game six, is to truly understand where they are health-wise on that offensive line. Because I, I think that we have underestimated the importance of Adrian Ely and Eric Swenson in this offensive line rotation. Because well, we're now three games without Swenson. Or pardon me, without Ely. He didn't play in the Tech game. He didn't play in the Kansas game. And based on what Lincoln Riley said today, I mean, it doesn't sound like he's going to play this weekend. You're now going into potentially your second game without Swenson, second and a and half, if you will, because he didn't play much against Texas Tech. But depth's really being challenged for Bill Bienbo on that offensive line. Doesn't sound like they're going to play against Texas. Or is that just what Lincoln wants? Texas, the Could thing. Could be. Could be. Good you point, know, I mean, I'm just saying, this is the week where there's all kinds of uh, – Right. But uh, they have to play well up front. And that's true every year in this game. And that has been an area where it's been a little bit shaky at times. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I think Jalen has still only been sacked three times. And they're running the ball top five still in the country yeah. on the ground, I believe. So, hey, you know, let's ease up on the complaining a little bit. But they've been called for a lot of holding penalties. There's been some personal fouls and unnecessary roughnesses. And in general, across the board, too many penalties early. In the they lead the Big 12 in penalties by a wide margin. Yeah. And, and a significant chunk of that has been because of the offensive line. But whoever's up front on Saturday, and they've had five different starting lineups in five games, uh, is going to have to play well because Texas is big and strong up front. They have. Yeah, I mean, you think of Tyrese Robinson is listed on the depth chart as a right guard, yeah. and, and he played there most of the time. He shifted out to tackle, and I think it's been a challenge for him. But you're right. Statistically, statistically, frustration over the offensive line makes no sense. <laughs> Based on the numbers right. and kind of how they played out. The problem for them is last year's offensive line was so dominant. Oh, so nasty, and, too. And four of those guys went to the NFL and played so great, and people remember that. And this year it hasn't looked quite that same way. They've still been really good. Yeah. but uh, And I think by the end of the year, they're going to be great. All right, real quick, before we dive into the Red River showdown, let's talk about the Big 12 this week. Kind of a surprising weekend, if you will. Uh, I got to admit, what really caught my eye was Texas Tech, Matt Wells, winning their first home game against a Big 12 team not named Kansas since, like, 2016. Think about that. They beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, did Texas Tech, after Oklahoma rolled them here in Norman. They hadn't beat a team named anything other than Kansas at home since, like, 16, and they beat an Oklahoma State team that had snuck into the rankings. Yeah, that's amazing. They played well. What, they have seven sacks against Oklahoma State. Forced a bunch um, of turnovers, two interceptions. Jet Duffy was phenomenal. In fact, Tech won three of the four individual awards this week in the Big 12 Conference, and Jet Duffy was the Offensive Player of the Week. It, it kind of, two things popped to mind. One, it makes Oklahoma's defensive effort against Texas Tech look better. Absolutely. And two, you kind of got to wonder what Matt Wells was thinking, not starting Jet Duffy <laughs> against Oklahoma. Uh, but, you know, they could be formidable going forward. If he, he is a dual-threat quarterback, and if he's going to throw the ball as well as he did on Saturday, he's a problem for other teams in this league. Uh, the other thing that jumps out there is Baylor. Obviously, they're still undefeated. They go to Manhattan and win in a tough road environment. And the offensive weapons that Matt Rule has, not to be taken lightly, I think Brewer's a nice player, but he's got three big-time wide receivers. Denzel Mims is still there. He's got a couple of really good running backs. Hasty is still there. So uh, they're, they're formidable, unbeaten. 
and uh, it you know could be a legitimate contender for a Big 12 championship game appearance. Brock Purdy had a nice day where Iowa State knocked off TCU, and then you mentioned Charlie Brewer and Baylor. The I guess you could say carryover from that game is that Brewer got dinged up in the fourth quarter, and they brought in their backup quarterback, who Gabe Biker likes, likes to make fun of me because I always ask every single one of our Baylor insiders we talk to on Big 12 today about Jerry Bohannon, their backup because he absolutely looks the part. And he got in there and made some guys miss on Saturday. But 5-0, and they want Brewer to be healthy. We'll yeah. see how it plays out for him on Saturday. Then there was Texas. It took the Longhorns a while to get going, but they finally beat West Virginia because West Virginia really struggled turning the ball over. But as we get ready for OU Texas, did anything really kind of stand out about the Longhorns did this weekend? That's a good win. You know, it's uh, first off, it's in a tough environment. I yeah. mean, Morgantown, I don't care how good West Virginia is, that's a hard place to go play. And it's the week before the OU Texas game. Right. So win by one, win by ten, um, I, th I think you take it. They pulled away in the second half of that game, and, and it felt comfortable in the end. An 11-point win, I believe, 42-31. to 31. So I think that's a good win. I, I just think in general, you know, we've seen enough Texas football this year that they are not as good of a defensive team as they have been, and they are beaten up, and that's, that's a big part of the reason why on that side of the ball. So, you know, coming into this game, if you just look at it statistically, Oklahoma has the better defense. Now, Texas has played tougher teams and tougher games, right. and LSU put up a bunch of points, and Oklahoma State did, and so that skews the numbers. But coming into this game, it looks like Oklahoma, for the first time in a while, we might be able to say, might be able to say has better defense. We'll see how it plays out um, on Saturday. But the other side of the ball, I mean, Sam Ellinger is, we know, We've seen enough of this guy. We know. Problem. Um, Colin Johnson has been hobbled. I don't know if he's going to play Saturday or not. He didn't play at West Virginia. Devin Duvernay, who I know is going to be your spotlight, spotlight guy on guy, Saturday, called it. is having a great year and has tremendous speed. The Eagles kid at wide receiver is a very nice player. And running back is a mismatch, uh, mishmash for them right now. <laughs> Keontae Ingram is kind of the starter, but – Roshan Johnson ended up playing more there against West Virginia and had a really good game. They started putting Duvernay in the backfield a little bit. So I don't, the point is they got a lot of nice weapons right. on, at skilled positions on the offensive side of the ball. So the key for me in this game, and I don't know if that's where we're getting to or not. Oh, we'll get there, yeah. The most important thing for me in this game is OU's ability to uh, slow down the Texas rushing attack. Last year, any time he wanted, Sam Ellinger could get four yards. In both games. Even on fourth down. In both games. Yeah. And there's nothing Oklahoma could do about it. Well, we think OU's better defensively this year. Are they able to do something about it and make Ellinger try to beat him with his arm? Yeah, because there you go. You force him to throw the football, you might put yourself in a big advantage come Saturday morning. Now, before we truly dive into a ton of the keys here, let's just talk about the moment in general. OU Texas and what this rivalry is all about. Uh, from corn dogs to big techs to the walk into the fair, to the split stadium, to the memories. Is there anything that is the one thing or maybe two that's Toby Rowland's favorite about this rivalry, about this week, about this game? I have, a, I have one favorite moment, Ooh. but I'll get to that in, in just a second. <laughs> the, the great thing about this game is it, is it is satisfying, it is exquisite <laughs> to all of your senses. Oh, absolutely. It smells spectacular, right? <laughs> Corn dogs, funnel cakes, it just lingers in the air everywhere you turn. 
the colors are unbelievable. That turf is the greenest green you'll ever see, mm -hmm. and the crimson and the burnt orange everywhere. The sky is the bluest you'll ever see. It's just beautiful. And then the roar on every play for both sides. I mean, it, it just, it is exquisite to all your senses. But my favorite point, for my favorite moment for every OU Texas game is, Chris, after we have the coin flip, um, there is two minutes there between the coin flip and the kickoff. And on the radio, we do something where I ask for everybody's final thoughts and we'll toss it around. And while you're talking, and Gabe is talking, and Teddy's talking, and Coach Merv is talking, I get for two minutes, and I'll slide one of my headsets off so I can hear, just to soak it in and look around and listen and pinch yourself and say, I cannot believe that we get to do what we get to do at this game, which I consider to be the greatest game in American sports, the greatest single game in American sports. And I, this will be my ninth year, the first eight years, never fail, eight for eight, chills overcome my body from head to toe because it is an unbelievable atmosphere. It is, and it's all about the history, the rivalry, the tradition. It's the it's corn a, dogs. The corn. It's a really fun walk to the stadium. It's an even even funner walk after you win. If you win, it's the worst if you have to walk through that fair after a loss. Yeah. The worst. But that's what makes this rivalry great. All right. Let's. Uh, What's your favorite part? Uh, the coin toss. Uh huh. The coin toss. I have. Uh, you, You're standing right in the middle I'm of. I'm right it. there. I'm right at the fifty. Uh, the, the rather small Cotton Bowl logo. It is too small, isn't it? Thank it's, you. Just, it's a little cotton, uh, but it's just from everyone who has ever been out there at the coin toss, I think they can tell you because that's that moment. There's never going to be a time with that stadium filled that I'm going to just be standing at the 50-yard line. Right? It's just not going to happen. Unless something horrifically wrong takes place, and I've Maybe wandered an out there, coin right? Exactly. But it's just that's that moment, man, where you realize, holy smokes, we're in this, yeah. and let's go. Now, let, let's talk about this matchup. Let's talk about where we think each team has the advantage, and we'll start with Oklahoma. Where do you think this? You kind of touched on it a little bit, being able to run the football, maybe coming in with the better defense. Where do you see the Sooners having the advantage against Texas? I mean, the OU. Outside weapons, the wide receiver weapons against the Texas secondary that is banged up and hobbled. I think that's the biggest advantage. Kane Hearns probably not going to play. Or Kane Stearns, Stearns, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. I think that's the biggest advantage Oklahoma has in this game. You know, C.D. Lamb, Charleston Rambo, on and on and on. We haven't seen Grant Calcaterra be a big weapon yet. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't pop out and have a huge game this week. Um, but I think that's because of the injuries to Texas. They, they come into play in this game 126th in the country in pass defense out of 130 teams. That's not good when you're getting ready to play Lincoln Riley. So Oklahoma has to take advantage of that. They need a huge day through the through the air in, in Saturday. I thought Jaden, I got Jaden Stearns on the head. Jalen Stearns and a Jalen Hurts, go figure. I thought, thought Jalen Hurts had his best game as a pocket passer against Texas Tech. The, Agree. The problem against Kansas for me was that it seemed as if he tried to force a few things. I mean, you know, I, I was I was very intrigued whenever the ESPN notes said, you know, Hurts dazzles and four touchdown performance. I think Jalen Hurts would be the first person to say, yeah, I don't think there was anything dazzling. You know, he got the ball to his playmakers, missed on two really big plays that might have changed our whole perception of this game. Oops, my bad. If they hit that deep ball to CeeDee Lamb, 
down the sidelines. I mean, my gosh, he's going to walk in untouched. If they hit that ball to Jaden Hazelwood on the other sideline, he's going to walk in untouched. So that's where I'm with you. I, I think they can – those were misses by inches, man, inches of potentially really well, turning that game. So not, not dwelling on that too much, just I agree with you. I think with getting the ball to those playmakers and letting them do what they do best, make people miss an open field, run away from players. I mean, that's – Jalen Hurts, the receiver, advantage. Chris Blank. Um, <laughs> you know, you, it, it may be too simple to say, but it's often true. Whichever quarterback plays better in this game, that team wins. And what a fascinating question that is coming into this game. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts and Sam Ellinger, two of probably the top five quarterbacks in America. Both, by the way, run like pickup trucks, you know? And what they do with their legs, as much as their arm, maybe more than their arm, will be a deciding factor in this game. Yeah, and, you know, one of those weapons that we didn't see on Saturday, but has been pretty good in a couple of Texas appearances or in his Texas appearance. Last year was Kennedy Brooks, so I'll be curious to see if he can get back. And, you know, speaking of the running game, this has been a time where you see some things from maybe guys you hadn't heard from during the season. Rodney Anderson, the Texas game was kind of his breakout game a few years ago. Damian Williams had the big run. I'm, I'm going back quite a ways. Now, Trey Miller jumping over people. Maybe this is that game where Kennedy Brooks gets back on track. You give me a good reason why Ramondre Stevenson isn't on the field. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, that guy's unbelievable He's so far this year. Every time he gets in, he makes something happen. And that run in the uh, fourth quarter against Kansas was remarkable. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he haven't, you know, isn't a big factor in this game. Trey Sermon, the number of OU offensive weapons is off the charts. So we'll just see which one Lincoln decides to use. Tom, Herman, to use. Tom Herman even uh, alluded to that in his coach's interview here earlier today where he said, you know, that's not a team you're going to shut out. You just have to no, try to limit Oklahoma's going to score. Right. The question is, are they better defensively against Texas than last year? Because they had a terrible time, terrible time trying to slow down Sam Ellinger in Texas a year ago. All right, let's uh, swallow this pill. Where does Texas have an advantage? When you are preparing for this, where do you see the Horns having an advantage on Saturday? Well, I mean, I, th I think it's with, until proven differently, I think it is Sam Ellinger versus the Oklahoma front seven. And I say that hoping that's not true, but knowing last year that it was. And that is, I mean, that's kind of what my point was earlier. The ability to slow him down or stop him um, is the entire key to this game as far as I'm concerned. If, if they can't lean on that whenever they want, and last year they could lean on that whenever they wanted in both games, then Texas is in trouble. And he's a powerful runner. He, he is a uh, willing aggressive runner and certainly last year he had the better of it in that matchup so I hope that's not the case but based on what we saw last year you have to say that going in I believe big man touchdown oh I missed this on Saturday that look collision at, how do you like that Tom collision. Herman breaking out the creativity uh yeah I, I would agree with you and it's interesting because this is probably the first time in this recent memory in this rivalry we have two guys with very similar running styles. Yeah. And, you know, it, what I'm saying they're both pickup trucks. I, yeah. <laughs> they're going to run you over if they get the opportunity. Uh, but, but, but I'll say this. I agree with you on that front. I think that's, that's where you have to unfortunately say Texas might have an advantage. Another, another area you'd have to give them a slight edge going in is in the kicking game with the place kicker mm -hmm. because Cameron Dicker has been in this game and made a big kick and has to have confidence in this venue. And Gabe Burkich hasn't. 
So, I, you know, I don't know how that plays itself out. But at least going in, I think you give a slight edge to Texas there. Now, keep in mind, with Texas, Todd Orlando, the, their offensive coordinator, he and Lincoln Riley have now gone, in, gone up against each other quite a bit. They have eight new starters on defense this year. They've been dinged up in the secondary. They've been dinged up at running back this year. It looks like they're starting to get healthy a little bit. But even though they were dinged up at running back, they still have Keontae Ingram. They've used uh, Devernay De a little bit as well. Roshan run. Johnson. Roshan Johnson had a big week last week. So, They've done a nice job in really trying to develop some different playmakers because they've been short on them this year. They really have. Yeah, that has been. Uh, they've had to cobble it together yeah. at the running back position, but they have some guys. Um, they have some guys who can play. I don't think there's a guy there that necessarily puts fear in you. You know, I don't think there's a. This is Mr. Obvious, but there's not. There's not a Ricky Williams there. There's not right. some of these backs. Cedric Benson, who we've seen in the past, who are different, huge difference makers at, wide at, at running back for them. I think the difference makers for them are the wide receivers. Like Devin Duvernay is a game breaker. Colin Johnson, if he plays and if he's healthy, he's a game breaker. Um, Eagles is, is fast. He's capable of being a game breaker. I think for the first, well, not for the first time, but for one of the rare times, that's where the strength lies for Texas in this game. And uh, we, we can have the debate until we're blue in the face. And I know this is a big national narrative right now, but it's whether or not Texas has been tested more because of the LSU game, of the Oklahoma State yeah. game. It's probably a fair point to say they play a little bit of a rougher schedule right now. Well, there's no doubt they've been tested more. And that's got to remain a question for Oklahoma going oh, absolutely. How, how does OU handle a tight one? Yeah. You know, they haven't been in anything remark remotely close to a tight game so far this year. So if we find ourselves, you know, close going to the fourth quarter, how does Jalen Hurts handle that? Mm -hmm. How does Oklahoma handle that? All how right, does our, this offensive line handle that? Our final question to answer before we get to your questions to answer. I, th I think that makes sense. What kind of game are you expecting? Are you expecting an offensive shootout or a defensive struggle? And in all honesty, we haven't really had many defensive struggles since you and I started doing this in 2011. There's struggling defenses, but we haven't yeah. seen too many defensive struggles. No. Um, I think I would lean toward a, a higher scoring game. I, I don't know if it's going to be 48-45 like last year, and I don't even know what the uh, over-under number is in this game. But uh, I don't think we're going to see a defensive struggle. Right. I mean, I don't think we're going to see – what did we have in, in – uh, Iowa and Michigan last week. Yeah, we're not going to see 10-0. That, that ain't happening. 10-3, whatever it no, was. No, both teams will get into the <laughs> 20s and maybe into the 30s, and it'll be a, it'll be a comfortably high-scoring football game, I think. All right, let's get a couple of questions in here before we get out of here on the Sooner Sports Podcast Live. And, again, thanks for subscribing as well at Soonersports.com slash podcast. Vince gets the first question. He says, I feel like the team that runs the ball best on Saturday will win, but in your opinion – what are some things that the OU coaching staff will focus on this week? There was a stat for many years that uh, whoever ran for the most yards won OU Texas. Now, I think a couple of years ago that was snapped, three or four years ago that was snapped. But it was a streak of ridiculously long streak of how many games in a row the team that ran for more yards won. Right. Uh, I think that that's a pretty safe bet. Vince, is that who you said that was? Yep. I think it's a pretty safe bet, a bet, because what that – typically indicates is who's the more physical football team. And in OU Texas, with, with the way this plays itself out, the more physical football team, the team that shows, shows up in a meaner spirit wins this game. So um, I would imagine that that will be a heavy emphasis. That being said, as I mentioned before, 
I think Oklahoma has a decided advantage in the pass game against a beat-up and, and, and young secondary of Texas. So don't be surprised if some of that running doesn't lead to some big plays and play action for Oklahoma. And then uh, one more before we get out of here. This is from our buddy Brandon Jacks, the mayor of Medill, who writes, what are some of the most exhilarating and most disheartening losses in OU Texas history? Now, thankfully, I don't think we have to go all the way through the litany of history, but we got about three minutes left here, Toby. They're putting a cap on the podcast? I know, right? I've never really understood that. We, we can go. We can just go, Meg. There's no mm. time limit all here. All right. No, but uh, anything that just needs to kind of roll out in your opinion from disheartening to maybe heartening wins for the Sooners. My most exhilarating wins in exhilarating. the series. The most Is heartening a word? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll no, go with it. Disheartening is a word. Is heartening Heart- a yeah, word? Yeah, I, I just think I've I never seen one up. On it probably fly. is a word I haven't seen. word. All right. Um, boy. I thought the comeback last year was pretty exhilarating. It ended up in a loss. Win. We didn't win. Right. But just if you could have heard how negative my man Gabe Eichard was on every, and he'll admit <laughs> to it, on every time, hey, guys, this isn't over. He's like, stop. It's over. Let's get I don't on the know bus. if it'll ever get better than the 2000 game. That's true. That 63-14 was just—it was such a glorious beatdown. I, I guess our, we got to say the the 2001 game. I mean, Teddy's play is yeah. one of the great plays in, in this series history. As far as losses, um, was it was it Ricky Williams and Demond Parker that squared off in the great running? I, and I'm bad with dates, but well, I you're going back now. Yeah, that was an unbelievable. I was sitting right on the 50-yard line for that game in the upper deck, and. Uh, that was such a fun day, and when, when OU didn't win it, that uh, was crushing. But there's last year, are you kidding me? After they came from that far back and then mm-hmm. lost it at the buzzer on a kick, that was just ripped your heart out. So there's none of them that you win and aren't on cloud nine yes. and you lose <laughs> and aren't in the absolute dumps. That's the beauty <laughs> of this game. There is no in-between. Yeah, I was gonna, that's kind of was going to be my answer. What are the most exciting ones? All of them we won. The most disheartening <laughs> ones, all of them that we lost. It just Last year had such a unique feel to it because everyone had kind of buried Oklahoma early and then suddenly you look up in the fourth quarter and Kyler's running untouched and then guy, it's just that was one of those looking back that I don't think I'll ever forget Unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, because they ended up losing. Baker getting the win and wearing the cowboy hat his final season was a it was a pretty exhilarating moment as well, too. I will not lie. It's but a fun week. We'll have it all covered for you all week long right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. You get Lincoln Riley Coaches Show tomorrow. It'll be available for download. Got the Coaches Corner that will be available for download as well, too. Make sure you subscribe at Soonersports.com slash podcast. We'll be on the air. At 9 a.m. Saturday on the Sooner Radio Network, live from the Cotton Bowl and all of our great affiliates across the country, Soonersports.com slash radio. For Toby, for Meg, and Tilly, I'm Chris Plank. See you next time, Sooner Nation. Boomer Sooner.